So I'm in the shot now. But anyway, thank you guys again oh, yeah. for joining us for another consecutive week. All of, of those the great directors that are, you know, getting our shots and making sure that they look good, they took the day off. So yeah, uh, we had to set it up. So. That's right. <laughs> this is all us and not our professional crew. And what that we a have. great day it is to be in Springfield, Missouri and to work on the Tag Your It podcast. Yeah, because I know originally we had planned last week that. Uh, Dave was going to ah. actually be up in Buffalo, and we were going to do this over the phone. Um, but, you know, with the unfortunate circumstances, I mean, it's unfortunate. No, but, it's fortunate that what? I got to preach the gospel yes. to a yes, bunch of did. lost people. You know, every yes. single time I do a funeral, I use the Lord's Prayer. And I'm always like, hey, please pray with me. And talking about crickets, it was just me today. Right. And so that always gives me a pretty good understanding that most of the people who are there do not have a familiarity with the gospel. And so today, those people were blessed with an opportunity to hear that Jesus Christ, the Creator God, entered into creation to redeem a fallen and undeserving creation unto Himself, and that true life existed in no one else but Jesus Christ and that today they could choose Christ, that today the Holy Spirit was calling them to salvation, either calling them or condemning them. And those are pretty close to the words that I said, because yeah. I say them a lot at funerals. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, it's like, that's the understanding, is there is a person who dies, they're in a coffin, people are, are mourning, people are sad, and the thing is, the Christian worldview is the only worldview that can provide the justification for why that is wrong why the right. you know your feelings that this is wrong if your space dust is all arbitrary and unnecessary pain that you're inflicting upon yourself over nothing um yeah, but right the cool thing is is whenever somebody comes and preaches the gospel into that um it gives you something to make that meaningful and intelligible why because death is not right god That's does right. not like death but sin is the wages of it, or the death is the wages of sin, and that's why we feel pain. So, Sorry, I'm just awesome. inviting yeah. folks to uh, anyway, come along and yeah. join us. So anyway, all that being said, Dave is continually today. So yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, with that yeah. said, Dave's got in the studio with stuff, us, man. Yeah, and yeah. talking about presuppositionalism just there. We've got another episode of Precept What's Up someday. We'll get something recorded, then I can have a little pad in here and have cool little sound effects. Adam but until then, cool I will do it. Um, but first, uh, before we get into our pre-sup, what's up? Dave has uh, brought in uh, meme theology yeah, for that some we reason, wanted to get to. Uh, 
my today. video or my picture mm -hmm. of the meme is being a little funky. That happens sometimes. I don't know why I say I'm loading, 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 but just a second and I'll get it clear. Uh, yeah. So one of the things that I have noticed, at least in my life, there has been a real outcry of hatred towards those individuals who desired to save lives in Alabama. First thing that I would contend, we talked about this last night at First Baptist Buffalo, is that I don't think the heartbeat bill goes far enough. Mm. What we're seeing from many on the left and many who are God-haters is the idea that, oh man, you shouldn't tell women uh, what they should do with their bodies. Interesting contention, right? Uh, and I would again say that the heartbeat bill doesn't go far enough, and the mm. reason that I would say that is because it is murder and it is killing, and therefore uh, all killing and all murder is against God's covenant, uh, against God's revealed law. And so as Christians, we have a responsibility to stop that. We have a responsibility to speak out against that. So I wanted to just spend a few minutes dealing with one of the memes that I saw uh, work up and kind of unpack that before we jumped into total depravity. So yeah. this is a little intro into our current events. Here's the meme that I've got, and I don't know if we got it posted to the page yet, but we will. We have it on the screen. Outstanding. Man, you are awesome. Dude, that's so good. So you can read it with us. It says rather yeah. uh, crassly and again uh, in a very negative way. Conservative men, I assume that this yeah. Zoltara warrior princess is making a broad sweeping generalization of anyone who can calls himself a conservative male. And I'm talking about a politically conservative male. That would be the people that I think she's intending with this. Mm -hmm. She is uh, trying to portray the perspective of all conservative males who celebrate the heartbeat bill. And again, I celebrate it in some way, but not all the way, because we need to make sure that abortion is completely abolished. It should be illegal. It should be uh, punishable by death. And because it is death. So here's what she says. Um, speaking of the mindset of a conservative man. I stuck my penis in you, therefore I am entitled to use you as my personal incubator, and you are now obligated to raise my spawn. However, I retain the right to be involved as little or as much as I feel. Failure to comply shall result in prison or death. So, the first thing that I want to state here is really clear. Again, she's very crass in her language, and she is uh, giving this idea that all conservative men have this concept that a male who... Uh, to get gets the rocks off in a woman uh, has now this right to use that woman as their personal incubator. The first problem with that argument is really clear. It is not an incubator of the male. It is a life that was created. Again, mm -hmm. biological science informs us the idea that at conception, all of the genetic information that is in you and I is in the cell that has been created. So biologically, there is a life there. Biologically, there is all the genetic information that is now available in you and I. All that we need is time and dependence. So to presuppose or to inject the idea that a man who has um, impregnated a woman now is using her as his incubator yeah. is completely false, is a complete fallacy. Two yeah. things. Number one, if it is rape, it is not the rapist that is inside of the woman. It is a life. It is yeah. a uh, image bearer. And that is something that needs to be protected. We need to stand at the gates of death and call it out. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm saying is there's a massive problem in this woman's mindset in the idea that she's saying that some man, whether he has raped this woman or whether this is consensual, is now using this woman as his incubator is false. Yeah, because that's a, a strong that's, I mean, man. Well, that's the thing is, yeah, if you are 
if there is a rapist, he is not wanting to make you pregnant. He's just wanting to get his jollies off on you. So, you know, the premise in there that the rapist is making you, making the person rape being the incubator, totally fallacious. Yes. Um, so, yeah. again, this logic is flawed already. The next element that I would point out really clear is the idea that you are ob ob obliged to raise my spawn. Actually false. If there is a woman who has been raped, or even if it's consensual, there is under no obligation to raise. What you have an obligation to do is to protect that life. Yeah. If you believe that there is any human dignity in any any human being, you have a desire to protect the human dignity that does now dwell inside you. Whether you want it there or not, that child is not the one who committed rape. Yeah. That child is not the one who even asked to be born but they or asked to be alive, but they are there. And therefore, we as human beings, if we believe that there is any value within humanity at all, have a need and a necessity to protect that life. And here's the other thing. If that woman is a, a rape victim, because I had a discussion with one lady online, uh, she saying, well, about a, what about an 11-year-old woman? My goodness, anyone in society who would speak poorly against an 11-year-old girl who has been raped and is the victim of someone doing evil things, someone enforcing their will upon them, yeah. that child inside of her is still, again, valued and treasured. And there are multiple types of ministries. All you would have to do is call Apologia Church, and they mm -hmm. would provide funds. But not only them, there's the... Um, House of Hope Ministries, mm -hmm. there's Agape Ministries, there are multiple community organizations and multiple churches that would do everything they could to protect that life, to make sure that that child yeah. was even educated and didn't have to go to school while they were carrying this That's baby. just the fact that, uh, you know, the, the government doesn't subsidize these people, and they don't have the budgets as Planned Parenthood to be on Super Bowl commercials. So you're going to have to, you know, sorry, do a little bit of work. In protecting this life by looking up uh, on Google who uh, would help you protect this life. So, I mean, that's just kind of the other thing. Also, you just got to think about the other side of the worldview. If this is an evolutionary worldview, if that's, this is time and chance, matter and motion, who are you? What does evolution teach us, right? You are an incubator. Yeah, You're that's all you are. So all, all, all we're doing and what he was doing is, hey, you don't know what the other side of the story for the rapist is. Um, maybe he is a a bag of protoplasm that can't by any other means spread his genes. Now, you can say, well, evolution would hopefully um, get rid of that trait in a person that would want to rape people. But on the other hand, he is trying to get his genes spread so that his genes survive to the next generation. And That's what evolution teaches. So, just to jump to the end. Again, yeah. yeah, but just getting there, we have to recognize the worldview the majority worldview that holds the position that abortion is okay is also atheistic and evolutionary. And so they don't even like their own worldview because the worldview would teach that you're just a bag of protoplasm that replicates and incubates and yep. the other so, person is spreading their genes. And so that what the rapist did actually wasn't wrong, especially if that's the only way he can spread the genes. That's the issue as well. So, Who are you yeah. to state that this individual was even wrong for doing that if you're yeah. basing things on a naturalistic, materialistic worldview? Uh, who cares if one bag of protoplasm is bumping into another bag of protoplasm yeah. and it results in another 
mixture of protoplasm. Yeah. It's nothing. It, it is essentially one person enforcing their will because they're more domineering and able to do it. But let me jump to the end yeah. as we kind of wrap this up because one thing we're trying to do today is we're going to try to split the show. So those of you who are watching on the live stream won't really see too much. We'll just kind of say, okay, here's where we're going to break and we'll kind of... Uh, go about that way and then we'll pick up. So what those of you who are listening on the podcast will get a two episodes in total depravity. Thanks upon yeah. we're just trying it out. We'll see what happens with it. But let me jump to the end here. It says failure to comply shall result in prison or death. So essentially what the lady is saying is if this woman holds this baby and carries it to term, or if she aborts it, then we're going to throw her in prison or put her to death. Here's the thing that I would say. First of all, she's not the only one who would be guilty if she does this. If yeah. she was raped, man, that's a terrible thing. A horrible thing. But does that mean that that child should be murdered? No. How are we going to uh, respond to someone enforcing their will on another person and saying it's wrong? We're going to enforce someone else's uh, will on another person and then put them into prison mm -hmm. for it? Here's what I would tell you. In a society where there is no possibility for abortion and you have to go to a backwoods alley, you've already done an amazingly risky thing to your mm -hmm. own life. You've already demonstrated that you're mentally unhealthy and incapable of, of being uh, a person who should participate in society when there are multiple avenues for you to be able to protect that child. So you've demonstrated that you fundamentally don't value life anyways mm -hmm. and therefore you should be incarcerated. And and again, here's what I'll also say. The individual who, of course, raped this woman, or if this was a consensual thing, he's demonstrated that he is not capable to participate in society. And again, according to God's word in Deuteronomy chapter 22, that man who raped that woman, uh, we would tell you that according to God's law, he should be put to death. Mm -hmm. And that is, again, where the Christian position, when it's consistent, actually is. So yep. uh, those of you who are dealing with these things, uh, what I want to tell you to do is advocate for life, fight for life, because it's an important thing. And fight as Christians, for life we are and abolition, not just heartbeat bills. Yeah. Amen. Sorry. Right on. I'm with you 100. Yeah. So you ready to jump into yeah. total depravity? So, yes. Yeah, so everybody, uh, we're getting ready to do the switch. This is Precept, what's up? I, hopefully you guys like uh, the way I do that. I think it's awesome. Again, I, I think you need it. to record it. Anyway, yeah. so <laughs> so uh, so with Precept, what's up? We've uh, talked about the AIP test and Jason Lyle. Uh, last time we did a Precept, what's up episode, we had the Cy 10 Kate on the show. And so this is... Uh, Precept What's Up, number three, and we want to talk about total depravity. Yeah, and, and so issue. today we're going to really look at this, and again, we're doing it in two parts, and there's a lot to unpack, and we want to make sure that we do it effectively, we want to make sure that we do it biblically, we also want to recognize that we didn't just come up with these things on our own, so we're on our own, we've relied on other sources to inform us, we've educated ourselves, we've been working on this show for almost a month now, right? Yeah. Like, we've been doing everything we can to grab as much resources as we can, so with that said, uh, what we're going to do with the doctrine of total depravity and the pre-self, what's up? Yeah. There you go. You heard me with my uh, funny voice. So we're going to talk about our need to understand what total depravity is today. We're going to give a historical understanding of how the church throughout history has engaged the doctrine of total depravity. We're going to talk about the Baptist perspective because we are Baptist. We're mm -hmm. Southern Baptist. And likewise, we're going to demonstrate its apologetic application, why this is important and how we can put our understanding of this doctrine into application when we engage individuals in society who are themselves unregenerate and under God's wrath, according to Scripture. 
So, let's offer a definition. Yeah, Adam. So, um, so when we're talking about total depravity, we are talking about sin. And so, to start things off, we want to give a definition. So, we, uh, Van Til, um, in his book, Defense of the Faith, on page 46, at least of my copy, um, he defines sins as, sin as this. Sin is a breaking loose from God's ethically and or from God ethically and not metaphysically. Sin is the creature's enmity and rebellion against God, but is not an escape from creaturehood. When we say that sin is ethical, we do not mean, however, that sin involved only the will of man and not also his intellect. Sin involved every aspect of man's personality, all of man's reactions, and every relation in which God had set him were ethical and not merely intellectual. Intellectual, the intellectual is itself ethical. So put that in your <laughs> own words, brother. Okay, so uh, when we're talking about sin, we're not just talking about uh, uh, things being just what you know. So sin is a moral issue, and then we can't divorce the will. So it's uh, some might see like it's what I do, not what I think. You got a principle and practice issue here. And so it is an intellectual issue, but it's an ethical issue. You can't divorce each other because the intellect is a part of the ethic. So in other words, the basic, basic foundation for uh, total depravity is this concept that sin has not only taken its toll and its control of our mind, it's taking control of our will and mm -hmm. our morals, and therefore yeah. it is completely, it's something that we're completely immersed in, yeah. according to Scripture. And, and I love what Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, uh, basically giving us, again, a biblical framework for the doctrine of total depravity, and it's an idea, uh, and of course, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, while you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Friends, we need to understand rightly what it means when we say that we are a slave to sin. Scripture mm -hmm. does not present human beings as folks who are wandering around asking for help. No, in fact, it's very clear. We are so depraved. We are dead. Scripture makes it really clear. There are essentially two types of people. There are those born to the natural disobedience, the natural haters of God, and those haters of God are dead, according to Scripture, yeah. in their trespasses and sins. Now, here's the cool thing that happens in Ephesians 2. Paul, writing to the church, says that they once walked in that deadness, but they are not following the course of this world. Again, that world term is a universal term. That's cosmos. That's where the word cosmos comes from in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, yeah. We hear cosmos, we think of everything. So when Paul is writing here, he's saying that everyone in this world, the natural disposition of human beings is that they're dead, they're God-haters, they reject God. How did they get there is part of the problem. But yeah. as Christian apologists and as Christians who are theologians and are called to have a biblically informed worldview. We need to recognize that anyone we engage who is unregenerate is totally depraved. They are walking in sin. They are a slave to sin. And we'll talk about that mm -hmm. a little bit more. Yeah. And so, I mean, this all comes down to, I mean, James White says it. Yeah, we're followers of James White. We will echo him. Um, your theology will lead to your apologetic. So they're, yes. they're tied together, though there's distinctions to be made, they're still tied together. And so that's why um, total depravity as a doctrine that we believe is espoused 
um, richly in Scripture is very important. Um, James Stifler writes that about total depravity, it cannot be said too often that a false theology finds its source in an, in an, in an inadequate view of total depravity. That mm -hmm. is where your apologetic is derived from your theology. Yeah. If you think that everyone is naturally good, that everyone is a good person, everyone doesn't have a mind that is a slave to sin, that's going to inform the way you engage other people when it comes yeah. to theology, apologetics, evangelism. Yeah, and I mean, if uh, you want to talk about experience, what we see whenever we talk about the gospel, and I'm sure any of you out there that are listening to this have came up to people and it's like, well, I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I, are they? Yeah. Well, you know, they're making a claim that they're a good person. And what do they, what then do they use to say that they're a good person? Yeah. So, I mean, this again, according to what standard yeah, are they saying mm -hmm. that they're good? Yeah. So that's it's why this really is so important. clear. Yeah. Yes. So again, total depravity is a major theological issue. And therefore it's something that we have to engage yeah. when we talk about apologetics. Jesus speaks about it really clear in John chapter three, verse 36, where he says, whoever believes in the son of man has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son of man shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains, remains. on him. And remains is the word there. Yes. Key. So it's not that uh, whenever you're, whenever you are confronted with Christ, that that's where the that's where the decision is made. That's where um, things cha really change. It. If you reject Jesus, you are in the state that you have always been in. That's right. It's not that you were good up until that point, and then whenever you encounter Jesus, um, that's whenever you have to make the decision that ends up putting you in eternal life or in hell. If that's the case, evangelism, like Saitan Bergen Kate says. Um, if that's the case, instead of sending missionaries to enlighten people about who Christ is, we need to send construction crews to build domes around these people, because then that gives them an excuse whenever it's on Judgment Day. Hey, nobody come and told me about Jesus. We that's were right. innocent, right? So, no, the fact is, is they're not. So, again, the gospel is, a, is, a, is an act of grace. Grace cannot be demanded. So, if people don't get the word about Christ... That's, that's grace, and it's not deserved. So, so in short, yeah. in summary, as we move mm -hmm. out of a definition of total depravity, when you hear the word total depravity, what would be a functional definition that would not only help your apologetic, but would allow you to understand what Scripture says about the state of man? Because total depravity is a summary of what Scripture yeah. states very clearly regarding the disposition of man. Yeah, and so, I mean, the, with the proper understanding, um, Scott Oliphant writes um, in his book, Covenantal Apologetics, he says that in, in properly understanding the biblical doctrine of sin as total depravity, we affirm that all of man is affected by sin, which is total depravity, but we also affirm that man is not as bad as he could be, which is absolute depravity. So in the same way, someone when someone suppresses the truth and unrighteousness, that suppression is total and so that, you know, breaks in, you know, Romans and all that stuff. So total depravity states that we are enslaved to sin in all our faculties and our will and our intellect and what we do. Everything is stained by sin and not good. And so that's whenever uh, the Bible speaks of our righteousness, our works are like filthy rags. Um, Proverbs says that the uh, plowing of the wicked is sin. So we can see people do good all the time, but it is not good. Only It's only good in whenever it is done in the right context of being regenerated by the Holy Spirit, which applies 
Christ to you whenever you become in covenant with Christ and made a new man. So, a consistent approach to man's disposition is that they are, John 3.36, under wrath, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, dead in their trespasses and sin. They have committed treason against the holy God who is uh, who is completely holy and who is the God that they have and are, again, living in his world and living in rejection of. Yeah. Definition of total depravity, how about why we need to talk about it? Why do we need, well, why do we need to talk about it whenever it comes to apologetics? How about that? Um, we'll start off with who are we doing apologetics with? Yes. Unbelievers. That's right. So whenever we do apologetics, whenever we are debating in a formal debate, or even if it's just a friendly conversation, do you just go out and rattle it off? Or do you understand who it is you are debating before you even speak? Do yes. you prepare to give an answer? See, I love last week when we had Nathan Stitt on here and he sat here and he said, look, iGen folks, they don't really care about all of your arguments trying to prove the resurrection. And I would tell you that if we recognize according to scripture, that the lost unregenerate person is not going to be persuaded because we have engaged their mind so well. Mm -hmm. That's going to fundamentally shape the way that we engage them. We're recognizing that we're entering into a conversation with a God-hater who could have all the evidence in the world, who could have all of the, again, biblical difficulties worked through. They're actually in rebellion against that God. Mm -hmm. They're on the other side completely. They are God-haters. Yeah. They're under God's wrath. God has allowed them to persist in their sin and therefore is calling us to engage that person who is dead in their sins and through the Holy Spirit, work them into, uh, again, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, bring them into salvation. Yeah, and so this gets into, uh, as Skull Elephant, and I forgot which chapter it's in the book, same book, talks about uh, Plato's Trivium, where you have ethos, pathos, and logos, right? Well, the logos, we know the logos, the yeah. word of God, right? So that's given, that's, that's the uh, presupposition there that's taken for granted. But, so then we have our pathos, who are we talking to? We're talking to unbelief, right? So we need to understand what unbelief is based on the Logos. And then we also need to understand who we are ourselves as well from the same Logos. So that the Logos is what connects us from ourselves to the people we're speaking to. And so like understanding that trivium this is what we're talking about. Understand you've, you've got to know yourself by the scriptures to be able to even go out there. And again, and so here's the other thing, and we'll, this is where it really yeah. counters in on this idea. Again, among individuals who call themselves Christians, they will try to state, well, it's someone's free will to choose. It's someone's free will to choose. Look, depravity is pretty clearly put into its yeah. place when Jesus says in John 8, 34, that anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. That is incredibly important for us. Yeah. The need for understanding this topic is to recognize where that person truly is. They're yeah. not a good person who is a God seeker. Romans 10, 3.10 says that no one's seeking for God. So yeah. using a biblically informed understanding in order to engage the lost world actually does something amazing. It puts the burden off of you yeah. and allows you to rely completely on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and then also, then you get to say, by what standard are you saying you're good? 
Exactly. And so this is where the presuppositional approach comes in that the evidential approach wouldn't use because they'd be like, well, hey, I've got evidence. It matches up with uh, what you're... Uh, what you're talking about in scripture and stuff, the Freemasons, just getting into that, that's what they do. They they have, they have, they think they're a good organization just because of charity, but at the same time denying what the Bible says about wicked people and what they do and that it's filthy rags. Yeah, and here's so, the other element yeah. that I think is so cool. So we are going to jump back yeah. to historical yeah. things, but Calvin and his institute says this, and I think it completely informs the need for the topic, the need for unpacking, understanding, what the Bible says about humanity, that they are totally depraved. Mm. Calvin writes in the Institutes this, again, it is certain that man never achieves a clear knowledge of himself unless he has first looked upon God and, excuse me, upon God's word and then descends from contemplating him to scrutinize himself. So it happens in estimating our spiritual goods. Again, Man never understands who he is unless he understands who God is yeah. first. And what does God say about who man is, right? Yeah. We have to have a biblically under informed understanding of who God is and what God says. And we're only able to do that if God has regenerated yeah. us. Yeah. And so with that being said... That'll be the end of part one, because we are at 28 minutes. All right, man. So, really cool. So here was, is what we're going to do. Yeah. Those of you on the live cast, there yeah. is not going to be a break for you. But those of you who are on the podcast, when we come back, we will talk about a historical understanding of total depravity. We'll also engage in the Baptist understanding and the Baptist war that wages on concerning mm -hmm. total depravity. And finally, we'll get a really good unpacking an application of what total depravity is and how it should inform the way you engage others in apologetics. Yes, so, so with that said, uh, with the Tag Your Podcast, I'm Ray Ray. And I'm Dave. And Soli. Dale. Gloria. Gloria.